Hello, I am the Gentleman Maker. Welcome to the Gentleman Maker's Shedcast. Hello, I am Kelly, the Gentleman Maker. Welcome to my Shedcast. Episode 5, Wednesday the 25th of March, 2020. Now, of course, you're all very aware that we are expected to stay home and not go out, apart from essentials like shopping and beer and for some people tacos. I of course am in the shed today. It seems to be the best place to be. Nobody comes down the shed. Other than a mention here for our story of the past week. In fact, for a couple of weeks now we we got a puppy. He is a cockapoo, uh, a cross between a cockerel and a poodle, I think. Is that right? Cockerel and poodle? I don't know. <laughs> it's a dog. Um, being a poodle, he doesn't shed hair, which is fantastic. Uh, we haven't got a house full of dog hair. And he's quite small at the moment, growing fast, and a great deal of fun. Uh, I'll get him to appear on a vlog later in this week, I would hope. So you get to see <laughs> my little furry ankle biter. Now, there's an awful lot of talk in the media, of course, and amongst friends of, of the current pandemic, the worldwide pandemic of the nasty coronavirus, COVID-19. So I hope you're all doing very well. I hope you're keeping safe and uh, sticking to the, the rules that the governments around the world have asked us to adhere to. Let's do our best, keep well, and come out the other side where we can have a bit of a party. I think that's going to be allowed. Now, that's the housekeeping out of the way. I'm going to bring you into the topic. And the topic for this week is one of tools. It's often asked, what tools do I need to start woodworking? And of course, there isn't a straight answer. But I'm going to begin with a bit of a reading. I have in my hand here a fairly pristine copy of a book entitled Carpentry and Cabinet Making by W. M. Oakwood. Ha, how convenient. This uh, fantastic little book, roughly A5 in size, um, it was first published in 1905. And the, the edition I'm holding in my hand, after several reprints, uh, is dated 1925. Which, <laughs> it seems incredible that I'm holding a, a book that's all but a hundred years old in its physical presence. Uh, it's an interesting book. It talks about um, all manner of things, all manner of tools, etc. But I'm going to read you a little excerpt from Chapter 1 of Carpentry and Cabinet Making. Chapter 1 is called The Workshop. As a rule, the amateur carpenter has little or no voice in the choice of a workshop. With him, it is a case of Hobson's choice. Take it or leave it. And he is fortunate if he can obtain a fairly well-lighted basement or disused coach or outhouse. Indeed, if the outhouse is well-lighted and free from damp, he could not wish for a much better for it has the great advantage of not being so liable to intrusion by inquisitive people who have not the same respect for edged tools as the owner who has had all the trouble of sharpening them. A basement makes a good shop if it is well lighted, but a room at the top of the house is, in my opinion, the worst, as the noise of hammering and sawing will reverberate through the house and so cause annoyance to the other inmates. Artificial light will, of course, at times be necessary. Lamps or candles, where gas is not obtainable, 
should never, under any circumstances, be placed on the bench when working. An oil lamp, having a reflector, should be hung on the wall where it will be perfectly safe and out of the way. If the room is large enough to allow the bench to stand in the middle, so much the better, as this allows the worker to get to all sides of his work without shifting it about, a great convenience when it is heavy or bulky. <laughs> um, what a fantastic bit of text. There's plenty more to read and I, I may well dive back into this for the odd quote now and again. But can you imagine if, like me, you're standing in a 10 by 10 garden shed, can you imagine the sheer joy of having an old disused coach house or outhouse at your disposal for a little bit of woodwork? <laughs> I guess the building itself is is a tool, it's the major tool, because without it, and you can't really run a table saw in the garden, especially in England, it would get a little bit damp. So, really the um, bulk of this topic is related to, um, what have I done with it? So the bulk of this topic, I guess, um, if we can ignore W.M. Oakwood and his 100-year-old words of wisdom, the question often asked is, what tools should I get first? And whilst everyone has a different idea of what they intend to achieve, from my point of view, the answer was, well, I needed a tool to do a job. And I think my, my tool buying began with a table saw because I was building a workshop and I had saws and, and a battery drill back then, screws and screwdrivers, etc., etc., um, just for general DIYing around the house. But the table saw I consider was the first real tool I bought. I wanted to cut some triangular sections of timber to go around the top edge of, of the roof so when I folded the, the roofing felt over it had a, a lip. I did get a couple of bits cut by a timber yard and they were so poor quality I thought this is ridiculous I'll do it myself <laughs> which I think is is the curse of the maker. So yes if, if you're interested in making something determine first what it is you want to make and then spend some time researching tools ask people what would you recommend set yourself a budget and it'd be great I'd love to have a a, a large workshop and a, a saw stop or a cabinet saw or something of that nature I'd, I'd, I'd very much like a large metal lathe um, I've got a woodworking lathe but you know <laughs> we'll come to that uh, I suppose initially the first tools I actually used belonged to my father uh, under careful careful supervision I was encouraged to use a brace and bit remember those, for boring holes in wood, and the lovely little Stanley hand drill that he had for smaller holes. That was probably the mid-70s, uh, at the beginning of a multi-year project that Dad undertook to build an extension on the side of our three-bedroom semi-detached house in Bexley Heath in uh, North Kent. And that was also r roughly the time that I started tinkering with bicycles, taking bits off, cleaning them, putting them back. So we had a, a selection of bicycle spanners. And my Small tool collecting began shortly after that uh, when I had a car, a Mark I Fiesta, a Ford Fiesta, uh, that had uh, a Kent Crossflow engine in it, and that decided that normal operation should be halted when it went pop. So armed with a Haynes manual, a birthday present socket set, and plenty of tea, uh, an old friend of mine, hello Ian, still friends, uh, we set about stripping it down. He'd had re recent experience of the same so I thought I was in safe hands. I learnt a lot thanks to his guidance and the resulting newly built engine was a cracker. Augmented with free-flowing exhaust, lovely old Pico exhaust there, 
larger carburetor jets and a high lift camshaft, uh, the car was much, much better. It was only a 1.3 litre, which sounds tiny nowadays, but it was um, a fantastic little rocket. Didn't weigh much because there was no safety equipment in it, of course. <laughs> it was a 1978 Fiesta, I should add. So there was car tinkering for a number of years until, of course, I bought the first house. Uh, and then I bought the uh, small hand tools to start doing decorating, etc., etc. And once that workshop I previously mentioned was built, complete with a little office as well, so I could work from home when needed. I could do with that now. My interests in making things exploded. Ideas flowed, tools followed, um, and acquiring each tool as required to make a project easier was the thing to do. So most of my projects come out of the need for a thing, be that a bird table or a small tool storage idea. Uh, the things I build though, they're, they're never really decorative as my design style has always been function over form. Boring, but necessary. It's possible to be scientific, of course, if you're looking to um, to make things that you wish to sell, visiting craft shows and shops, etc., to get an idea of what people are buying. Or oh, there's Google, Pinterest as well, see what's going, things that make you go, ooh, I'd like that. Sometimes I browse Pinterest just to get the little brain cell agitated. I can feel it going now, a little buzz. If you hear a buzz, that's what's happening. It is, of course, important to decide if you're uh, making just for the sheer joy of it or that you intend to make things to sell. Uh, of course, happy accidents occur. My, my beer levers from some surplus timber. Uh, they've been a, a very good seller. An ins inspiration for me strikes mid-project two, driven by the need to make a part of the project easier, quicker or, or safer. Um, another tool might be acquired. Now, for general woodworking, making simple things, a table saw is to me very handy it gives you many options uh, but i also have a, a chop saw which is sometimes nice rather than having to rejig the table saw to cut at 45 degrees i can just turn around and wallop doesn't make that noise it makes sort of a soaring noise but it gives me the opportunity to cut angles it's a, it's a compound miter saw so i can cut in both directions at the same time how do i explain that it's a compound miter saw <laughs> What else do we have? In the gentleman maker's shed here, we've, we've got the table saw. Let's do a count up. Got the mitre saw, got a small band saw, uh, a drill press, uh, an old Clark 37 inch wood lathe. Uh, I've put a router in the table saw, an old router, which I've had for 20 odd years. That was the first tool of that nature that was ever bought for me as a present many years ago, I think maybe even my 30th birthday. It rings a bell. Um, I have got a planar thicknesser as well. And we've got a nice big vacuum uh, with a four inch feed pipe. I'm looking around here, there's a lot of stuff. I've got smaller things, like I've got a, uh, um, a jigsaw, that's the one. And I've also got a demolition saw, sometimes called a saws all or a reciprocating saw. That's proved very useful on, on outdoor tasks, with trees, etc. I've got a, a, a good SDS drill for throwing holes into brickwork and concrete, etc. I've got a heavy old bench vise that's not bolted down currently because I haven't yet determined where it's going to live. I've got an angle grinder and I've also got a, a, a SIP um, MIG welder. And various hand tools, planes, screwdrivers, etc. An electric drill driver, a DeWalt drill driver. I suppose that 
major tools, that's it. They've got loads of sundry tools, clamps and mole grips, pliers, files, hot glue gun, a Dremel, a couple of Dremels actually. Uh, yeah, loads of hand tools. That's kind of it really, I suppose. I'll gloss over the laser. You don't need a laser. <laughs> no, nobody needs a laser unless you want to do lasering, in which case you need a laser. Oh, and there's another thing here. I've got a um, an air compressor and mostly what I use that for is is the uh, nail gun, air-powered nail gun, uh, which needs a little bit more tweaking. It's punching some deep impressions. Uh, ideally, you'd set the air pressure up per material so you get the perfect nail, but <laughs> I can't be bothered. Um, I've got a few plumbing hand tools as well and, and car tools in here, uh, trolley jack, axle stands, some big ramps. But you think of all these things and you go, oh, I could never afford to go out and buy all those things. And if you ask me to go out and replace them all tomorrow, well, neither could I. Well, you must remember, with any anyone you see on YouTube, with their fantastic workshops, etc., etc., it didn't all happen at once. I've, I've got tools in here that I've had for probably 30 years. Buy a tool when you need it. And that's why I've got what would appear for the general woodworker and DIY enthusiast, why I've got a lot of nice things. And they're not all expensive things either. I'm not, uh, not a millionaire or anything like that. Am I table saw I've got to bend down to read it it's a Clark woodworker 10 inch table saw it's not the best table saw in the world I've modified it I've made a bigger table top for it um, I've used John Heights's plans he's, he's very inventive John Heights find him on YouTube really clever I've used his plans to make me a, a much much better fence the one that came with it <laughs> anyway um, uh, the evolution chop saw fantastic I really like that Dust collection needs amazing, uh, needs amazing, needs arranging for that. Uh, the, the little bandsaw I got was second hand, I paid 30 pounds for that. The drill press, I swapped an old table saw for. A uh, chap didn't have a lot of room in his shed, and my old table saw was much smaller. And we swapped, swapped tools. He was happy, I was happy. And the, the Clark wood lathe, again, that's very old. I got that second hand for not a great deal of money, local to me. The welder I've had 20 odd years, the air compressor crikey where are we 2000 and what 2020 uh, yeah that could be 30 years old as well now these are not all shiny new tools the uh, SDS hammer drill I bought that after using a friend's borrowing one old colleagues and uh, crikey I was so impressed with the fact it pushed a drill bit into concrete like it was a hot knife into butter I had to have that it made life so much easier I think that's it so I suppose the the gist of this is buy the tool you need to do the job you want to do being a lifelong maker, of course, I've had so many interests and, and there are rabbit holes. You dive down, you buy all the stuff, etc., etc. But you know, take your time, buy what you need to help you achieve the goal. It's really as simple as that. Then you get interested. <laughs> then you find yourself browsing catalogues of various tool companies or, or spending many a happy hour looking through the Rutlands website. I've got a few tools from them, I must say, as a supplier. There's no affiliation. Now, Rutland's are fantastic. They've got a lot of good tools at reasonable prices and a very good service. I think, unless you've got any questions, I don't hear any questions. Well, you, you wouldn't be able to ask me. It's being recorded, isn't it? <laughs> oh, uh, I suppose importantly, as mentioned previously, and uh, so eloquently described in W.M. Oakland's, Oakland, w. Oakwood's uh, book on carpentry, the shed being the major tool. The shed was second-hand. A friend of mine was knocking it down to build a slightly bigger building for himself, his, his business, and he said, would you like my shed? I hired a truck, 
and went and got it. I've extended it a bit, put another meter, three feet or so on its on its length, and I've got a second-hand free uh, double glazed window to give me an outlook across the fields, which is pleasant. And it's all insulated. I paid for the insulation, but this this shed, this major tool in the equation, cost me very little. So even if the first tools you buy enable you to make yourself a good shed, that's a fantastic start. So I wish you well in your tool acquisition in this, uh, <laughs> this uh, uh, strange disease of tool world and wanting more and better and bigger and faster. That's just the way it is. That's human nature. So get out there, buy a saw, get some timber, enjoy yourself. Now I'm going to add a new part to this podcast and that's something that I've been perhaps inspired by or been interested in, in watching or reading, listening to over the past week. And in terms of YouTube, uh, Click Spring. He's, uh, I think he's a wizard, actually. He, he's a, a, a clock and, and watchmaker. I think he makes watches too. And he puts up very short, just a few minutes, very short videos of making, machining, cutting uh, watch parts and clock parts. Clock parts mostly, I believe. And whilst I don't understand an awful lot of what he's doing, watching it is... It's beautiful. It's it's meditative, which is not the easiest word to say. Meditative sounds wrong now. Sounds like saucepan. Um, Click spring. Yeah, he's he's very much worth a watch if you've got a few minutes spare. And in terms of wanting a listen, uh, I can recommend a podcast to you. You can find thoughts from the Tinkerage uh, available through an awful lot of podcast providers. Listen to Andy Andy Pugh. He's a, a fellow maker and YouTuber. You'll find him on YouTube too, of course. He's got lots of interesting videos. Uh, and hearing his take on things, it's very calming. He has a very, very calm way of putting things. Uh, very much worth a listen. In fact, I've got the last two episodes to catch up on. I'm going to go and do that now. So take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. Meet you at the next Shedcast.